Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Wallace Johnson was so disappointed. His boss had just come to the timber mill where he worked and sacked him without any warning. And now, with a family to support and no job, he felt like his whole world had collapsed. To make matters worse, Wallace wasn't fired because he'd failed at his job. He'd worked hard and served diligently at every job he'd ever held, including the one at the mill. In fact, Wallace had started working when he was just seven years old, picking cotton on a farm. But now, all those years of effort seemed to have gotten him nowhere. But what Wallace didn't know at the time was that God was working even through his disappointment. God had seen his hard work and his faith. And even though Wallace didn't know it, God was preparing him for a big promotion. When Wallace left the timber mill, he went home to tell his wife that he'd been sacked. What are you going to do now? She asked. I'm going to do what I've always dreamed of doing, he said. I'm going to start my own construction company. And so, when Wallace was fired from his job, it actually launched him into his own business. His disappointment became a doorway to his destiny. His first contract as a builder wasn't too big, and success wasn't instantaneous. But God blessed Wallace Johnson and his company, and soon he was building hotels all across America. You may never have heard of Wallace Johnson, but it's likely you've heard of the company he helped start. It's a hotel chain called the Holiday Inn. In fact, there's a Holiday Inn Hotel right here in Accra at Airport City. And today, Holiday Inn is part of the largest hotel group in the world. Every year, over 100 million guests stay at one of the hotels in the Holiday Inn group. Of course, Wallace Johnson became a multimillionaire And it all began when he lost his job. Later in life, he said this about how he got launched into his amazing business. Today, if I could locate that man who sacked me, I would sincerely thank him for what he did. At the time it happened, I didn't understand why I was fired. Only later could I see that it was God's unerring and wondrous plan to get me into the career of his choosing. Have you ever been disappointed in life? Maybe like Wallace Johnson, a door suddenly closed. A source you were relying on suddenly dried up and you were disappointed. Or perhaps a relationship ended and you've been disappointed by someone you trusted. Maybe you're disappointed with life. Maybe you're even disappointed with God. But no matter who disappointed you or how badly you were disappointed, the fact is when you put your life in God's hands, you can trust him to bring his will to pass. If you'll learn how to deal with disappointment, you'll discover that disappointment doesn't have to be a dead end. In fact, when you learn what to do when you're disappointed, you'll discover that disappointment can become a doorway to your destiny. That's the powerful message in our sermon today. We're going to discover the three keys to turning disappointment into a doorway to destiny. But before we learn more, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you today that for every disappointment, you have a doorway to something better. Open our eyes today to see the truth of how 
to deal with disappointment. We submit to you right now, we bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to bring us light, the power to bring us life, the power to bring us truth that will set us free. We thank you that at the end of today, your name will be glorified and our lives will be transformed. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you today to join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I believe that God brought us together for his divine purpose. You're not watching today by accident. God has a message for you, and he's brought us together so that he can lift you and lead you into his perfect will for your life. If you believe it, say amen. See, I'm convinced today that no matter what you're facing in life right now, God has a plan and a purpose for you. No matter what you're passing through, God can use it for his glory. Even if you're facing discouragement or disappointment, God sent me here today to remind you that he is in control. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there's nothing too hard for him to do in your life. Even when you don't know what to do, even when your world turns upside down, God is at work in you to bring you to your destiny. That's why for the last few weeks, we've been learning what to do when you don't know what to do. See, the Word of God always has the answers you need for life. And when you come to the end of yourself and come to the end of your strength, that's when God comes in and takes over. When you feel confused, God is not. When you feel afraid, God is not. When you feel overwhelmed, God is still on His throne. He's the Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, the eternal God. And when you come to Him and surrender to His will, you will find the answers you need. That's certainly the lesson we can learn from the true story of a very famous couple in the Bible. Today, we're going to look closely at the story of Mary and Joseph and discover how they dealt with disappointment. They didn't let disappointment limit them. Instead, disappointment led them to a new level of life. And when you follow their example, you too will discover what to do when you're disappointed. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we've prepared sermon notes. We prepare sermon notes each week so that you can follow along with me as I preach and so that you can have a record of the truths you're going to learn today. I invite you to download the notes and follow along with me as we discover what to do when you're disappointed. Our scripture text for today is taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Hear the word of the Lord. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts today in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Friends, think carefully with me today for a minute about what the Bible is telling us in these few verses. Mary was engaged. She was planning her wedding. She probably picked her bridesmaids. She'd invited guests. She was getting married in the temple. She'd picked her colors. The invitations were at the printer, and everything's going great until suddenly an angel shows up, and God changes her plans. 
She's pregnant. And suddenly the wedding dress won't fit. Her family is ashamed. Her fiancé is confused. And all of a sudden the wedding is off. The engagement is over. And Mary is disappointed. No wedding. No wedding dress. No family and friends at the temple. Pregnant and alone. Mary is the picture of disappointment. But God had a plan. And God sent his angel to her fiancé Joseph and said, You won't have a wedding ceremony. Mary won't wear white. Your family and friends won't come. But you should still take her as your wife. And then it wasn't only Mary who was disappointed. The Bible tells us in Matthew 1, 24, 25, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Hey, friends, I believe Joseph was disappointed. He faced the disappointment of not sleeping with his bride until after she'd delivered her first child. He'd planned and prepared for his honeymoon, and all of a sudden it's two beds and two bedrooms and two more years of waiting. I don't know about you, brah, but I would be disappointed. The only good thing they had to hope was in the birth of their baby. At least they could get excited about the child being born. But even in that, there was disappointment. They were forced to travel at the last moment. Their families were not around. They couldn't go to the hospital. They had to give birth in the manger in a stable with animals. And friends, these were real people. Joseph and Mary are not some fictional character in a fable or fairy tale. They're real people with real emotions. Mary had dreams. Joseph had desires, they had expectations and plans and goals, and they faced real disappointment and real heartbreak. And on top of that, Joseph and Mary were not bad people. They were good people. They were a wonderful couple chosen by God. Of all the men and women who ever lived and ever will live, Joseph and Mary were the only ones chosen by God to be the earthly parents for Jesus. So Joseph and Mary did not deserve their disappointment. They didn't do anything wrong. They weren't sinners being punished by God. They didn't deserve the disappointments that came their way. Yet these good people who were serving God were disappointed. Disappointed in relationship. Disappointed in marriage. Disappointed in life. Disappointed in circumstances. And Maybe you're listening to me today and you've also been disappointed. You expected something different in your relationship, and it hasn't turned out the way you thought. You may be thinking, by now, I expected he would propose. By now, I thought I would be married. By now, I thought I'd have children. By now, I thought we would be happy. Or maybe it's not in a relationship. Maybe you're disappointed in life. By now, I thought I would have graduated. By now, I thought I'd be doing my master's degree. I'd be further ahead, more successful, better paid, more appreciated, more accomplished. And you're disappointed. Maybe it's in business. By now, I thought I'd be opening in Kumasi. By now, I thought the contract would be signed or the payment would have come. By now, I thought the thing would sell. And here you are, disappointed. But if Mary and Joseph, that good couple appointed by God to raise Jesus on earth, if they could be disappointed, we must understand it's going to happen to us too. And the question today is not, will I be disappointed in life? The question is, what do I do now? What do I do when I'm disappointed? So today, let me give you three steps to deal with disappointment. And here's your first step today. Find God's promise for your life. 
See, friends, here's the truth you need to put on your keychain and carry along with you today. For every problem you face, God has a promise. There's no situation you will come across in life that God doesn't have a promise for it. There's no disappointment that God can't deal with through his word. That's the first thing that helped Mary and Joseph deal with disappointment. Listen to the promises that God gave Mary. In Luke 1, 28, the Bible says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. He reassured her that just because things didn't work out as she expected, nevertheless, God was with her. And then in Luke 1, 37, he told her, Nothing is impossible with God. And when Mary found God's promise and believed in God's promise, she had the courage and the strength to overcome her disappointment. The promise of God's word kept her from despair. And the same is true for you. The fact is disappointment can either be a dead end or a doorway. It can either limit you or lead you higher. And it's the promise of God that makes the difference. When you find God's promise and you put your faith in his word, your disappointment becomes a doorway to your destiny. For you see, the promises of God are all we need to make it in life. That's why 2 Peter 1.4 tells us God has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And when you face disappointment, you need to find the promise of God for your situation and stand in faith for that promise to come to pass. I don't know your situation right now, but I know God has a promise for you that will carry you through. I don't know the disappointment you're facing right now, but I know that God has a promise that will comfort you and direct you and give you a foundation for your faith to stand firm. That's why Psalm 119 verses 49 and 50 says, remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Somebody say, my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Somebody say, all my troubles. In other words, there's no trouble you can face that a promise of God cannot overcome. There's no discouragement, no depression, no disaster, no disappointment you could ever experience in life that a promise from God cannot get you through. God's promise is the only hope you need. So this is the promise I know today. I know that no matter how big the disappointment, God's promise is that he will work it out for good in my life when I'm following his purpose. For Romans 8, 28 says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. No matter how dark the night, there is a dawn coming with God. And not only that, but I know this promise. I know that in the face of opposition, God is on my side. I know that he paid the highest price so that I could be saved. And I know that I know that I know he is for me. For Romans 8, 31 and 32 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And no matter how the enemy attacks me, the greater one is for me. And I know that I know that I know that even when I'm disappointed in myself, he's my covering of grace. Even when I fail, he's the one who gets me back up and back on track. I am forgiven and free. For Romans 8, 33 and 34 says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? 
No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. So no matter how great my failure, my God is greater. And I know that I know that I know that for every disappointment, His presence is the answer. His love can overcome the pain. His hope can overcome the frustration. And His peace can overcome the confusion. For Romans 8, 35 and 37 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So no matter the pain, God loves me. And I know that no matter what I'm facing, God's promise is that he will be with me when I turn to him, when Jesus is my Lord, his love will never let me go. For Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When you find your father's promise, you'll discover that he's with you even in the hour of disappointment. You'll find that he comes to wrap his arms around you and carry you through the dark times of disappointment. And when you find your father's promise, you'll find that there's a new day dawning on the other side of pain. The disappointment is not the end of your story. With God on your side, you will come through the problem and you will find new opportunities. That's the truth we can learn from the inspiring true story of the great Olympic runner named Derek Redmond. Derek Redmond was a famous and successful athlete from the United Kingdom. During his career, he held the British record for the 400-meter sprint and won gold medals at the World Championships and the European Championships. So when Derek Redmond got the chance to run for England in the 1992 Olympics, he was certainly a favorite to win the gold medal in the men's 400-meter race. But instead of a gold medal, Derek got disappointment. About halfway through his semifinal race, Derek tore his hamstring muscle and fell to the track in agony and pain. All the years of training came to a sudden halt. All the hopes and dreams came crashing down as he lay on the track, unable to run. But Derek wouldn't quit. Even though he was in pain and even though he was drowning in disappointment, Derek would not give up. So slowly and painfully, Derek got up and tried to hobble along the track to finish his race. The medics brought a stretcher, but Derek refused. The pain was so intense and the agony was so great, it didn't seem possible that Derek Redmond could ever finish the race. And then, suddenly, From out of the stands, Derek's father, Jim Redmond, came running onto the track. He'd seen his son fall to the ground. He knew that he could never win the race. But when Jim Redmond saw his son's determination to finish the race, he rushed to his side. He put his arms around Derek and slowly, painfully helped him hobble around the track to complete the race. Derek and his dad crossed the finish line far behind every other runner. The race was over and so was Derek's running career. But as they crossed the finish line together, 
the crowd of 65,000 spectators rose and gave Derek Redmond a standing ovation. He hadn't won the race, but he won the hearts of the world. Derek Redmond's heroic struggle to complete his race is remembered even today as one of the greatest moments in Olympic history. And Jim Redmond's love for his son stands as a permanent legacy of a father's love. Today, Derek Redmond is a motivational speaker. He challenges people to never give up. He encourages people that disappointment doesn't have to be a dead end. And he tells people that disappointment can become a doorway to your destiny when you have the love and support of your father. And so it is for all of us today. God doesn't promise you'll never be disappointed, but he does promise to be with us in the darkest valley. And he promises to bring us out of the valley to new opportunities and new days of blessing. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Don't let a short-term problem produce long-term doubt. If you'll find God's promise and stand in faith, God will turn your disappointment to a doorway to destiny. But in order to get there with God, you have to take the second step to deal with disappointment. And here's the second step today. Free your heart from offense. See, the problem for most of us is when we're disappointed, we want to find someone to blame for our pain. When things don't go the way we planned, we lash out at others. We blame other people and we can even blame God. I'm sure that's how Joseph felt. He was tempted to get offended when he heard the news that Mary, his fiancée, was pregnant. Joseph knew for a fact that he wasn't the father. Imagine how he felt at first. All kinds of suspicion and doubt and anger were arising in his heart. He could have gotten offended at Mary. He could have become bitter against God. In fact, the Bible even tells us that Joseph wanted to put Mary away permanently. Matthew 1.19 says he wanted to break off the engagement and end the marriage and cut off the relationship. But in the middle of his hurt, God spoke to Joseph. God told him not to lash out, not to get revenge, not to allow offense to simmer in his heart. And the same thing God spoke to Joseph, he says to you today, in the middle of your disappointment, keep your heart free from offense. Don't allow the pain to provoke you to blame others for your heartbreak. For the fact is, as long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you will always be unhappy. That's why Hebrews 12:15 teaches us, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And listen carefully to what God is telling us today. When you allow offense to store up in your heart, you become bitter. And the verse we just read calls bitterness a root. Why is bitterness a root? Well, bitterness is a root because a root stores. It anchors and holds a plant. A root is where the water and nourishment from the soil are stored and then sent up from there to the rest of the plant. A root is an anchor that holds a plant in the ground. And the same thing is true about bitterness. Bitterness is storing up what others have done and letting it tie you to their crimes against you. You become anchored to the past. Bitterness holds you down. 
And the Bible says it's a poisonous root. When you store up offenses and things others have done against you, it produces a toxic substance in your soul. See, friends, here's what you need to understand today. You don't have a choice about whether or not bad things will be done to you. You cannot live life without offenses being committed against you. The only choice you have today is how will you respond to the wrong done to you? Will you store it up in a bitter root or will you let it go and be free. For offenses will come. None of us are exempt. Good people and bad people have wrongs done against them. Rich people and poor people have wrongs committed against them. That's why Jesus himself said in Luke 17, 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. But if you allow bitterness to take hold in your life, it will be a bitter root that poisons your heart, for the bitter root produces a bitter fruit. And here's the amazing truth. The result of bitterness is that it troubles you most of all. Listen again to Hebrews 12, 15. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. And when you allow disappointment to produce offense in your heart, it's you that will suffer. That's the lesson we can learn from an American billionaire named Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is one of the world's richest men. In fact, he's worth over 88 billion U.S. dollars. Hey! But even though he has had a lifetime of great financial success, Buffett himself admits that one of his first decisions in business was, in his own words, a monumentally stupid decision. And it all happened because of a disappointment that turned into an offense. You see, back in 1962, Warren Buffett made an investment in a textile mill called Berkshire Hathaway. He intended to temporarily hold some stock in the company and then sell it at a profit when the time was right. And just as he planned, Buffett kept the textile stock for a short period of time, then made a deal with the president of Berkshire Hathaway to sell it back to him for a set price. But to Buffett's surprise, when the time came for the company to buy back the stock he owned, the president of Berkshire Hathaway offered him less money than he had originally agreed. It wasn't a big difference, but it was enough for Buffett to be disappointed. And he allowed his disappointment to turn into offense. So rather than sell the stock back, Buffett began buying up more stock. He was so offended at the disappointment caused by the president of Berkshire Hathaway, he was determined to buy the whole company and sack the man who had cheated him. And Warren Buffett succeeded. He eventually bought enough shares of Berkshire Hathaway to own the company and get revenge on his enemy. He fired the president and took control of Berkshire Hathaway. The only problem was that the company was losing money. And over the years, Warren Buffett's investment in Berkshire Hathaway proved to be the worst financial mistake he'd ever made in business. In fact, Buffett estimates that had he not made that mistake, he would have earned an additional 200 billion U.S. dollars over the last 55 years. So a disappointment led to an offense that cost Warren Buffett's company 200 billion U.S. dollars. At the end of the day, the person who was hurt the most by his offense was Warren Buffett. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Don't let a momentary hurt create a long-lasting wound. When you're disappointed, keep your heart free 
from offense. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And think about the specific instructions on how to handle disappointment in this verse. It tells us, make room for God. Don't handle it yourself. Don't hold on to bitterness. For the truth is, unforgiveness shuts God out. And God won't sort it out when you shut him out. That's why Job eleven thirteen to 16 tells us, so commit yourself to God completely. Reach out your hands to him for help. Get rid of all the sin you have. Don't let anything that is evil stay in your tent. Then, free of those things, you can face others. You can stand firm without being afraid. You can be sure you will forget your troubles. They will be like water that has flowed on by. When you commit yourself to God and call out to him for help, you can forget your troubles. When you get rid of the offense and the hurt and the sin, then you can overcome disappointment. When you keep your heart free from offense, then you get God involved and he will handle your disappointment. He will help you stand firm, ready to face the future without fear. And that brings us to our third step in dealing with disappointment. Focus on your future. See, Mary and Joseph had to be free from disappointment so that they could focus on their future family. After all, they had a special child to raise for God. If they'd not kept their hearts free from offense, then they would have infected their home with bitterness and anger. So God gave them promises to help them focus on their future and the future of the world. In Matthew one twenty one, God gave them this promise. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in Matthew 12.21, God gave them this promise. His name will be the hope of all the world. These powerful promises are what helped Mary and Joseph look ahead. God told them their future was bright. God told them the future of the whole world was bright because they obeyed him. So here's what you have to learn from their story. The canceled wedding wasn't the last word in Mary's life. God had something better in store for her. But to get to her better future, she had to let go of her disappointment and focus on God's plan for her future. And the same is true for you today. You've got to let go of your disappointment today and get a hold of God. You've got to get over the disappointment so you can focus on God's vision for your life. God had something better for Mary and God has something better for you. The problem for many of us is this. We want God to work in our circumstances, but God is trying to work in us. And sometimes God is doing exactly what you asked him to do, but just not in the way You expected. We have our own ideas about what's the best way forward, but God knows best, and God wants to work in us, not just our circumstances. That's why Mary prayed in Luke 138, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Mary didn't ask for better circumstances. She asked to become a better Mary. And if you want to discover God's perfect plan for your future, you have to let go of your disappointment and find his vision for your life. You have to pray like Mary prayed. Let everything you said about my life come true. 
See, here's why you need to let go of your disappointment right now. If you hold on to disappointment too long, it sets a ceiling on your future. If you're not careful, disappointment sets the level of your expectation at the level of your experience. Disappointment makes you think that you're never going to experience more than what you've already experienced. For example, disappointment makes you think that your marriage will always be difficult. When you're disappointed in your marriage, if you're not careful, it can make you believe that your marriage will never get better than what you've already experienced. Disappointment makes you think that your opportunities will never be better. You'll begin to believe that there's no hope for tomorrow. Things will never improve. And disappointment makes you think that you will never be better. When you're disappointed in yourself, if you're not careful, it can make you feel that you will never get better. You'll always be weak. You'll always be discouraged. You'll always be timid. You'll always be fearful or unable to rise above. That's why in order to break the power of disappointment, you need to focus on your future. In order to break the low expectation of your past, you need to look forward to something better. You can overcome disappointment today when you focus on your goals for tomorrow. That's the lesson we can learn from a man from Cameroon named Momo Bertrand. Momo left his native Cameroon and was blessed to study for a master's degree at the University of California in San Diego, USA. His dream and desire was to work at the United Nations. So after completing his degree, Momo applied for a job at the UN. But to his surprise and disappointment, his application was rejected. He didn't get the dream job he wanted at the UN. Well, Momo wasn't one to give up easily, so he applied again and again. But every time Momo applied for a UN job, he was rejected and disappointed. When Momo told his friends about his desire to work at the UN, they just laughed at him. One of his friends even said, Momo, the UN won't hire you. You don't know anyone there. Instead, apply to be a kindergarten teacher here in San Diego. But Momo Bertrand didn't listen to his friends. He didn't listen to the doubt and discouragement. He didn't allow disappointment to be the ceiling for his life. Instead, he focused on his future. And so he kept applying for a job at the UN. He applied 10 times, and then 20 times, and then 100 times. In fact, Momo Bertrand eventually applied five hundred times for a job at the United Nations. And on the 500th application, Momo Bertrand was hired as a digital media officer at the UN. Don't you think Momo Bertrand was tempted to quit after applying over and over to the UN and being rejected 499 times? Hey, don't you think he was tempted to switch careers and become a teacher? But Momo refused to allow a temporary difficulty to provoke a permanent decision. He stayed faithful to his focus for his future. And in the end, he succeeded. He didn't settle for something less. He pressed on and is accomplishing his vision for his life. Because to overcome disappointment, you've got to keep your focus on your future. That's what kept the Apostle Paul going When he was disappointed, that's what kept Paul running his race even when things looked bleak. You see, even though he was a great man of God, he faced a lot of disappointment in life. He was betrayed by those he ministered to. He was thrown into prison and chained up like a criminal. Yet Paul found God's promise and put his faith in the God who called him. Paul kept his heart free from offense. He didn't allow bitterness to poison his soul and shut out God. And Paul stayed focused on his future 
future, even in the face of disappointment. For you see, Paul wrote to us from a prison cell. In Philippians 3, 12 to 14, these are his words. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Hear his voice from a prison cell. Paul was looking forward to what lay ahead. He didn't complain about his bleak circumstances. He didn't keep recounting life's disappointments. He didn't wallow in the misery of the memory of his past. He maintained his vision for his life. He kept his heart on the better things that God had in store for him. And he overcame the disappointment by focusing on his future. So hear God's word to you today. Don't give up on your dream. Someone is counting on you today. Focus on your future. There's a child out there that will be born because you didn't give up on your marriage. There's a man or woman out there waiting for you, praying for you, asking God for you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't let disappointment keep you from God's appointment. Focus on what lies ahead for your future is as bright as the promises of God. So here's the truth you need to put on your keychain and carry along with you today. Don't let a temporary difficulty provoke a permanent decision. Don't walk out on your marriage because things are difficult now. Don't quit your job because you're angry today. Don't leave your church because someone offended you. Don't lose your faith because you're disappointed in life. You see, the thing that came to discourage you is not permanent. The disappointment you face is only temporary. So when things look tough, don't give up. When you feel discouraged, don't lose heart. When you're disappointed, don't walk away. Find God's promise for your life. Free your heart from offense and focus on your future. For that's what to do when you're disappointed. Let me pray for you. Almighty and everlasting Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. For each and every heart listening and watching, I pray today that you will come upon them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Show them your promise. Show each individual the promise you have for the particular problem they face. And Lord, help every heart today to be free from offense. We lay down the bitterness. We lay down the offenses. We lay down the hurt and the pain. We ask you to come in and heal us. Put your arm around us. Give us your promise, O oh God, and help us to make room for you. We invite you into our situation of disappointment right now. Give us a vision, your vision for our future. We pray like Mary, Lord, let everything you said about our lives come to pass. We receive it by faith. We will not give up. We will not give in. But we trust in you to see us through as we overcome disappointment. I thank you by faith right now. In Jesus' name, amen. The hope of God bless you for listening to this message 
Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.